Hi, and welcome. You've joined another CISO Talk. This is an episode that's part of our Masterclass series, and we're talking about how to implement an active response strategy. We'll get into what exactly that means with our expert panel, uh, some experts, good friends, colleagues, knowledgeable folks. You've probably seen uh, these gentlemen uh, on here before. My name is Mitch Ashley. I'm co-host with my co-host, Matt Newfield. He'll, he'll talk in just a moment. Uh, I am uh, CTO with TechStrong Group, the organization that puts on this video series, and also a analyst principal with TechStrong Research. And I go back doing security for too long to uh, talk about. So anyway, um, I, that's our topic. But before we get to that, and I'll have Matt go into it in a more rich detail to kind of set up the conversation. Uh, Joel, would you introduce yourself, tell people a little bit about you, and of course, tell us about your company too. Terrific. Thank you for inviting me and including me to be a part of this. My name is Joel Fulton. I am the CEO and co-founder of Lucidum. You can find us at lucidum.io, and we discover, manage, and solve issues with assets, users, and data. So we provide situational awareness to companies. Before founding Lucidum in January 2020, I was the Chief Information Security Officer at Splunk. Previously, I was the Global Head of Risk at Google and led security teams at Starbucks, Boeing, Symantec, lots of little startups. So I'm glad to be here. I think I heard of one of those before, maybe two of them. It was probably Lucidum. That's exactly it. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Anthony, my friend, how you doing? Welcome. I'm doing Introduce well. yourself. Thank you very much. Anthony Johnson. Um, I like to say I'm a recovering CISO. Um, so it's normally uh, back in the day, I was in financial services a lot. Um, but right now I run a uh, market research company. We uh, study different aspects of uh, large scale enterprises and our clients are sales and marketing teams who um, are trying to get a better understanding of their buyers. Um, so let's kind of leave it there. That's part of that 10 step program, recovering from it is. CISO? Yeah, first, yeah, you have okay. to admit you have a problem. Second, say that you don't want to talk to regulators anymore. Um, <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Welcome. Well, good to have you. Good to have you on again. Matt, uh, Matt Newfield, introduce yourself and uh, let's jump into the topic about active response strategy. Mitch, it's always a pleasure. Matt Newfield, I am the Chief Security and Infrastructure Officer here at Unisys, and uh, you know I'm both the CIO and the CISO. I, I haven't quite fully recovered. I'm still in, in getting my beatings, um, but but soon enough, hopefully, uh, I can also say I'm recovering. So as part of this masterclass, you know, we we talk a lot in this program. We talk a lot in private groups about you know how to stop a breach and some of the foibles of even going down that path. I mean, you can't always stop bad things from happening. The best programs in the world come with flaws. So how do you respond? And there's been a lot of studies out there on you have 20 minutes, you have 10 minutes, you have five minutes. Uh, we were joking right before we started recording that there are some companies that say, oh, you know what, we're going to go with five seconds. You have five seconds. And if you look at the Ponymon studies over the past few years, you know, there are averages that are discussed that are 200 plus days to detect a problem let alone the number of days required to remediate the problem post-detection. So what do you do then as a CISO? What advice? And we brought these experts in to really talk about an active response, which to us is practice, practice, practice. Get your head out of the sand and stop with the no news is good news attitude because no news 
is generally not good news. Recovering CISOs would probably tell you no news makes the hair on the back of your neck stand up and a little bit of sweat if you haven't heard anything in a while because stuff's always happening. So that's really what we want to talk about. You know, you, you know, we have Joel here really talking about some of the stuff he's doing in his own organization, but in the past, um, some of the companies he's been at, i.e. a SIM provider, um, a lot of the work Anthony's done over the years, I've known Anthony a long time, and you and I. So I want to open it up to, to really start with what should people be striving to if you're talking MTTD or MTTR, the mean time to detect and mean time to respond? In your heads, where do you think the world is going and what we should be striving for if today it could be a year before you do anything about something that's happened in the past? And I'll open up the floor to our panel. Yeah, so... Yeah, so, so let, me, let me just jump in real quick. So I think what's what's really crazy and fascinating about this is that um, not only like you, you, we kind of think about like a mean time to detect, mean time to response, uh, respond, um, and then ultimately that mean time to recover, as if we knew the time of the event like it was a big bang, right? Um, and and when we do, when when there's an event, if an event happens today, you'd be like, oh, cool, we picked it up. X, Y, or Z. However, with the number of zero days, unknowns, legacy tech, the event could have actually happened three years before I started my job, right? And all of a sudden, we're, we're now in a whole different world of where I want to start the Big Bang is, no, 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 it doesn't count because I didn't start until June. And like, but yeah, yeah, but it's your breach, even though you were compromised three years before. And I'm like, no, the... the the breach should follow the, the CISO who, who was there when it happened, right? Like, it's this weird dichotomy, this, this weird conversation of, of, like, when do we start the clock? How do we do that? Um, and so I think that we, we haven't normalized that on that as an industry. We just say, hey, we found it. So that's when the event started. Like, yeah, that's not true. Go ahead, Joel. Sorry. Yep, I'm gonna I'm gonna play off of what you said, Anthony, because <clears throat> um, assume for a minute that the MITRE attack framework is a valid description of phases that could be executed during an attempted breach. Do we start the clock during reconnaissance? Do we start the clock during tool assembly? Do we start the clock all the way at the other end at exfiltration and impact? So <clears throat> I think um, one of the things that I know my partners wanted out of me was measurable re results. Give me something objective. Are we getting better? Give me numbers. And that drives to like a help desk. Give me a mean time to X. So then we negotiate. Well, what X, what mean time from is best in my advantage? Let's measure that. And I think that we are begging the question that pushing that number down is going to buy us a strategy. And that's my argument mm -hmm. in counter to the begged question. If you needed to lose 50 pounds and you decided I'm going to lose it by this weekend, that's not a successful strategy. And so deciding that your MTDX is going to be five seconds is not a successful strategy. I think, oh, so let me stop there. Uh, no, I, I think you need to keep going because hallelujah, it, we've gone to the end of the conversation. Could not agree more with both of you, right? How do you start? Because to me, if you're going to have a MITRE framework, if you're going to have a cyber kill chain, kind of starts at the beginning. If right. someone is doing recon within your infrastructure, 
generally maybe i'm not an expert in this but (laughs) you've been owned right they don't have to do anything else they're in so i agree and anthony to your point there are times when you find out that I, i i may have been here for five years this happened seven years ago yeah or it happened five years ago it's irrelevant to me we just discovered it. Let's start working it right now. That's the big thing. We got to work it as though it happened right now. And, and, and that's why I think that there's, there's, you know, lots of people draw the spectrum, right? But I love looking at it. You have that time of the event and that time of detection. And that's one measurability of like, hey, are we finding things within a certain parameter piece? Because when you start to try to lump it all at, you know, meantime um, to uh, detection, meantime to response, meantime to recovery, you're like, Oh yeah, we were we responded quickly, but we couldn't actually recover for six months because of X amount of P, whatever whatever that is, right? Well, the the event happened, but the zero day wasn't known about for four years, so we couldn't detect it for whatever reason, right? Like it, it, it's a really, it actually makes me think of the movie Deadpool two. I'm pretty sure it's Deadpool too. So I'll go somewhere really quickly. I'm, I'm I don't care if you're right. I want to hear where this goes. <laughs> so, um, there's that character. Um, there's a, a lady. He's like, oh, what's your superpower? She goes, I'm lucky. He's like, that's oh. not a skill. <laughs> like, you know, that's not a superpower, right? And it kind of is. Like there are, and especially in business, right? Like you, you sit there and you talk to people, founders, CISOs, whatever. And you're like, how did you not? You're like, Oh, you're lucky. You must have that lucky superpower because, but going back to your point, Matt, you can't bank on being lucky. You have to have that a strategy that you can execute and figure out how you tactically do this. Just know that some days you're going to be on one side of that luck coin or the other, right? What it was the saying, I don't know exactly what it is, but you know, luck is preparation, right? And <laughs> that's how you get yeah. lucky. So you're at the right place at the right time, but you're in a place to be able to to do something, you know, take action with it. I mean, I think where you guys are going is, it's sort of like, you know, by looking just at detection, we're only look at where the light is shining, right? It's like the, the dark, the dark the guy that looks for his lamp. keys under the lamppost. Yeah, because exactly. the light's better there. The, I'm, yeah. I'm struggling with my analogies. Thank you. Uh, Thank you for filling in cool. the details. But it is a sort of kind of looking the wrong direction. I think what Matt and I've talked about over and over is, you know what, give it up, attacks, breaches, you're going to be compromised. Everybody has, everybody will. It's a fact of life. I'm not saying give up on defenses. I'm just saying stop fooling yourself. Stop wasting mental energy by convincing yourself that, you know, you, you've you got things locked down the best you can, and so they're not going to happen or it's going to be rare. No, it's going to happen. So it's like, you know, it's like the, the pitch is going to be thrown at you. You better have the bat ready and, and have swung a lot in the cage. So when you get ready to smack that ball that's coming right over the plate, you can get it out in the outfield or over the fence. But if you haven't practiced, you know, it just looks like a really scary, you know, hard ball coming right at you. So let me let me let me push your wagon down the hill. Mitch. OK, let me, let me give you some momentum down the side. Um, and this is this is anecdotal. When I start. Uh, when I have started a new position as a security leader, the number one thing that I am focused on is my detect and respond. Because mm-hmm. I know, like Anthony pointed out, I'm inheriting cockroaches in the apartment. And so I got to find them, fix them, solve them, keep the team's morale up, keep the reputation and let my partners know, the CIO, the CFO, CTO, okay, we're going to find these things and we're going to bang them down. 
Um, so that's that's my focus. And if I get really pedantic and micro about it, my real focus <laughs> is the phase shift from detect to respond. Because if okay. I can start throwing secret service agents between the bullets and the president, then we're okay for a while. And then I can buy myself room to shift left and look at identify, which is where which is where lucidum resides. But that keep the end in mind piece. If I am leading my sock with MTTR numbers, think about what happens if you're a police officer. If you have a certain number of tickets to write, we all know you can't talk your way out of a ticket in the first or the last week of the month because energetic patrolmen will get their tickets in the first week and you ain't talking them out of anything, but the lazy ones won't pull you over. They wait till the end of the month and you can't talk them out because they're close to the, so middle of the month, you can talk your way out of a ticket. That's human nature. And so you turn to your sock and you tell them, I got these MTTR, MTTD, MTTQ expectations of you. And they go, all right, sweet. I'm going to pick cases that allow me to hit my numbers. And at that point, it's it's theater. And that isn't really what I want. So yeah. I, I got to expand on that real quick. Anthony. I apologize. Please, please. Again, the, it's always interesting how alike we are. We use different analogies. Um, I like the police analogy, but, you know, I, I agree. If you give someone a, you could do the analogy with a help desk. If you yeah. tell them they have to be able to solve a, a person's problem in 30 seconds, this is what they do. Sorry, can't help you click. Sorry, can't help you click. And they've solved the problem. Case resolved. Case resolved. Ding, ding, ding. And you wonder why you lose your business. That's not how you build an organization. Anthony, I interrupted you. No, no, I, I, I think it's the same thing because there's and it's also we have to be careful when we start to use um, things like we say, you know, meantime, MTTR, because it's is that meantime to recover? Is it meantime to respond? Yeah. Right. Like there's there's these nuances of where I, I look at it as, you know, this is maybe just. Time of the event, then there's a time of the detection. That's that can be tools, capabilities, stuff. Time of detection to time to respond is a lot of your internal processes. How are your things stitched together to find and detect? Cool. And and then you get to time to recover, which is your IT processes that largely take over. And you're like or your oh, partner processes, partners, right? Because it, it 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 can drag on drag on forever here, right? Um, and I think as long as we as an industry ultimately get to a standard of, hey, this is what we're talking about. Um, <laughs> but there's a, there's this funny thing that, that Joel said, because I think we all, we've all done it. You walk into a new organization, a new role, and you're suddenly you're like, I got to find the bugs or the issues. I'm going to find this stuff. Because after about a year, it's your problem, right? Up until that first year, you can say, hey, it's... Can you believe this guy, what they, what she did? Oh my gosh, I would have never done. But after a year, they're like, hey, you've been here a year. I mean, I was like, it's your team. You had a whole year performance. So you're like, it's yours. So, so that's where like this internal clock starts ticking, right? Um, and that drives a lot of the behavior of like, okay, we got to find the process flows. I can't say that that's my process after a year. That's not my tech decision, right? And you start to lay that out. Um, but I just had to, call, I had to call that out. Sorry. Not like they hired you because uh, things are going really well. Like, just don't change anything. Things are great. You know, yeah. we just want a caretaker in this job. No, so I mean, you, you can right. That that will happen. But um, and I feel like finding glasses because clearly Anthony and I are twins. Like you don't need <laughs> one of us. We're like highly available. Like, yeah. Um, but Mitch, you, you do get people that that don't want you to touch anything. Right. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Just, yeah, just keep, it, keep it rolling. What I have experienced, and I don't know about 
uh, others, I'd love to hear from Matthew and Anthony. What I've experienced is, hey, that's nice, but if this thing blows up, I'm the fall guy. Mm-hmm. And so you might want status quo, but I got to do my job right. And so even so, Mitch, we still get, now I've got dual friction. I've got political yeah. friction to just keep telling me my baby's beautiful. And then I've got technical friction. Why are these so important? We haven't had these problems before. How come you're finding things the last person didn't? I'm going to jump you know, in before funny. you go to Matt. Before you go to Matt and Anthony, because I've had that situation where I know I'm going to be getting involved in some things, and that's going to cause disruption. It's sort of right. your go button downs to tech and defend. Make sure you've got things. But when I when I've had those situations, that's part of that. Um, expectation management of your leadership team, of your board, of whoever, uh, there are going to be some things happening. You need to know these kinds of things are going to, you're going to hear about it. Um, and it's because I'm doing the following things. I'll let you know, I'll keep you updated. You know, you can, you can hear whatever you want to, you know, more information I'll provide you, no problem. I need cover from you or understanding from you that you know that I'm working on doing some things, even though we think it's going really well. Mitch, because there's always thing to improve, right? You are. I, I walked into a position, and when I was made the offer, I said, <clears throat> "I need two things before I can accept this, uh, and that is, I need patience, and I need you to have my back." And the reason is, you, as I've interviewed folks, I've discovered you don't know what you have in the environment. You've right. not segregated systems. You haven't identified data. You haven't patched things but you don't know that you have it. So I'm going to be spending my time doing grunt work that you assume's already been done. So I'm not going to look like I'm doing anything valuable because you assume this has been done. And two, as I'm doing this, I'm going to discover breaches that are underway. So I'm going to look lazy and incompetent for two years <laughs> as I get this foundation in place, but then we can play jazz. It's exactly what you said, Mitch. Mm-hmm. It is. Look, so we we always want to give advice back. And if I'm summing up, it's something we I did here when I took the job. I, I remember my first big executive meeting. I was asked by a bunch of people in a room what my job is. And someone else said, well, his job is to stop breaches. And I was like, whoa, 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 not my job. That's not my job. My job is to find risks in the organization and provide options on what to do about those risks to the business. Right. I, I have an Olympic method, I believe, and I give you a gold, a silver and a bronze option. What say you business? Because, you know, none of us can spend enough money to stop bad things unless you fired everybody and went off the Internet. Now our systems are bulletproof. But until that happens, we're, we're kind of done. And, you know, another little thread that has gone through this, and Anthony, you started it, but Joel and Mitch, you brought it up, is the known good. We we are constantly told. What we have today is great. It is a known good. And that flies in the face of most modern cyber leaders because there's no such thing. No infrastructure is a known good ever, right? It's got people, it's got computers, there's stuff that's happening. There are no known goods. So, you know, for those listening to the program, what you're hearing from these experts is stop with the known goods, stop providing details back to boards and other executives that are useless. Talking about a 5% improvement on your MTTD is useless information to a business executive. It may make you feel good and let you get your bonus because that's how you set it up. But when you have a problem afterwards, that boss of yours is going to wait a minute. You got better. I spent millions for that 5% or 10%. 
And we still had a problem because you're giving the wrong data. So I want to switch the conversation. So we all get, we have these problems, you know, and we're all analogy people and I'm not a sports guy. I'm a music guy. So, you know, I look at my organization as a rock band. I, you know, we always had those dreams when my hair came down to here and it, it, it got guitars in Mitch's house that we were going to be rock and roll musicians until we realized we're not very good. And, and that's just not the way of it. But if you went and saw a band today and they were all rock stars, but it was the first time they ever played together and maybe rock stars, it would be a really bad experience unless it's jazz or unless it's the Grateful Dead and they're just riffing on stage, but it's going to be a bad experience. And the same thing happens in cyber. So we talk about tabletops. We talk about active response, which, you know, Joel, you brought up at the beginning, which is that detect and respond. I, I would wrap those in a practice. Let's practice. Um, and I'd love to get your thoughts on what is successful active response strategy actually is how do you test it how do you improve you know what you know what are you seeing in the market are tabletops still the thing are there other things people should be doing yada 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 so on and so forth i love the band analogy i love the music yeah. analogy so let well, me uh, let, let's make it uh, let's make it bigger than a, than a rock band let's make it a symphony orchestra and this is why tabletops matter because i'm not the ceo I'm not the conductor. The conductor is our CEO, but I'm responsible for the percussion section. And we practice as individuals. We practice as percussion versus musical versus accessory information. And then we practice together as a unit. And then you've got to plug me in with the strings and the woodwinds and the brass and that so that we are an orchestra. And that is the tabletop. So the things that we do tactically repeatable, we don't know that we're not stepping on the oboe's entrance. We don't know we're not stepping on something the CTO says in a tabletop. Hey, my team's got that. Wait, wait, we've been practicing getting that. And so the tabletops, in my opinion, are vital because the problem with incident response is never rarely technical. It's always communication, I think. Yeah, I mean, a really great example. I see sort of very large financial, and uh, we we had to have a, a process of who actually got to wear the hat during an incident, because we, the CIO um, of of our line of business, actually ran all the tech, but there was a whole another standalone line of business that used us as a service provider, mm. and so we had an incident. And their CIO, I'm sorry, our, our CIO was like, we're taking the infrastructure down because it's a greater risk to all the businesses. And their CIO was like, no, you can't take that down because that'll impact my business. And we then had to have this really big conversation of like, no, seriously, who gets to, who gets to make the call here? Because I'm not telling either one of you no right now, right? Um, well, and it's so not your job to. It, 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 it's not, but it turned into this, you know, lack of a better term, a pissing contest in the middle of an event of senior executives being like, you can't do that. Oh, the hell I can't do that. This is my, and it's like, all right, do you guys want to go take this somewhere else? Right. Uh, at 4 a.m. or whatever it was. Um, so communicate. That was a practice. It was not. It was, a, it was a, not a, it was a, it was a, yeah, that was a fun one. <laughs> 
But that, that's why tabletops are so important. And I always give my analogy. I, I used to do them for a living long time ago with a small company. And I, I always give this story. And this actually happened. I had to drive quite a few hours to an organization and I ran a, a tabletop for them. And we'd done a lot of prep work. The executives knew we were doing this. Um, and it was really to get them onboarded with the concept. So I'm in the room with them and there's a bunch of execs there. There are a bunch that are remote. And we go through a breach scenario and we start making the phone calls because it's a live fire tabletop. So we call the head of marketing, we call the head of PR, we call all the people. And even on the call, we say, hey, as as noted, we're doing a tabletop. We've had a blah, blah. And we walk them through and hang up. And at the end of the day, it everything failed, which made it a successful tabletop. And we can discuss that in a few minutes. And I said, congratulations. And I drove home. And I get to my home and I get a call um, from a very senior person at this organization whose title began with CEO. And it was, get your blankety blank, blank, blank back up here immediately. And I'm like, what is your problem? We, it was a table. <laughs> he goes, get up here. You need to get up here. Now realize this is multiple hours after we had finished. Okay. Get in my car. I drive back up. To the location. It's in the middle of the night. What happened? The head of PR wasn't paying attention and did a press release about a breach that didn't happen. And they were trying to figure out what to do. And I, I, I'm sitting in the room and I'm looking around as I'm being yelled at. I was like, stop. Do you have a copy of the voicemail we left you? Yes. And he played it. At the beginning, it's my voice. As discussed as part of our tabletop act, I didn't realize what a tabletop was. I'm like, Okay, you did a press release. Forget the event. You did a press release with no practice, no communication to your comms, no approvals. You violated your own policy. And I remember because I was a young guy, I was like 28 years old. Um, and they everybody's looking, what should we do? I'm like, well, fire him. And then we have to do another press release. And I need to call the CEO of the company I work for because I need them here. And you know, it it goes to the practice practice, practice. But it also goes to, and I'm looking for your viewpoints, can you be successful in a tabletop? Do you pass them? Do you, can do you pass you, a tabletop? Can you pass a workout? I don't think so. I, so. I think they're the same things. I think if you if you set an objective, I think if you say, hey, the objective of this tabletop is to figure out Who's going to be the complete jerk in the middle of the night? Then you figure, uh, and I'm being pedantic there, but like, we're like, hey, let's figure out if and when this scenario happens, who's on deck? Okay, let's actually pull the objective of the tabletop is to review all the incident response plans because you know that four of the teams don't actually have one. So you're like, hey, you don't have anything documented. So then the next step. So I think you can pass them, Matt, if you have an objective. Now, let me share something that actually happened to me yesterday. I went to the doctor's. Okay, so I went to the doctor for, you know, a bunch of blood work and stuff. And I, I, I walk in, sit down, and the fire alarm goes off, right, in the hospital. So I stand up, get ready to walk out. A bunch of the older patients stood up. And all those staff were sitting down. And they go, is this a test? I don't know. Is it a test? Might be a test. And I'm like, should we leave? And they're like, no, no, no. We think it's a test. <laughs> <laughs> right? So 
And so like, there's this aspect and it, it was not a test. There was something outside that was going on and I was sitting there like, okay, so whoever this physical security person is probably like beating themselves over the head, they have a real fire event, right? No, none of, none of the people they've been training do anything about it. Cause they're like, Oh, it's just another test. Let's just tell all the patients to sit down too. Right. And so tabletops, you have to be careful that when things happen, they're not like, Oh, this is just a fancy test. This is just a fancy thing that you have to know when to tell them. No, no joke. Real event. Boom. We're, we're, we're in the mix. Right. Yeah. And look, when, when we do tabletops, both clients and internal, they're real events, right? It, it's, yeah. there should never be, it's just practice. This is yeah. truly practicing all of your processes. You can't go, Oh yeah, I would go get my book and I would do step number 42. Bam, I'm good. You got to do it. And my belief is if you're designing tabletops to pass, you're not designing tabletops. We learn as a species, my opinion, when we fail, because you don't want to fail again. We designed, for example, our fishing tests internally. When I first started the program, we purposefully designed them that there was not a snowball's chance in hell you were passing <laughs> on purpose. Because if I send out a fishing test to everybody that's written in crayon from hackme.com that says, thou shalt give me your information and everybody passes, that false sense of that's not practice. And we yeah. want to build that muscle memory, which is why I like, Joel, the, that, that workout. We should never look at a tabletop as a pass-fail. They're not pass-fails. They're practice. Well, what you're practice. saying, Matt, is we need to name our tabletop Koshiyabi Maru. Is that what it is? Uh, you know what? If I only had some of my, my stuff around my desk, <laughs> one of my favorites, the fact that you could pronounce the Kobayashi Maru, I, huh. I am impressed. And for those that don't know, that is an original Star Trek reference for the test that Captain Kirk cheated on. Yep. Because you're not supposed to pass. It's the unwinnable scenario, but he won. We've cheated. Well, there's yeah, a, there's an what I was thinking of, Joel, that I, I'm going to NASA next week for some business. Yeah, yeah, yeah actually business. But it kind of, I think of the simulator as you're going in and we're going to, do different scenarios of what fails, right? We're going to have this thing fail, or we're going to have this situation. And you're really doing a continuous improvement process through you. But so when you get in the moment and the thing that fails or that happens that you've never done before, all those other experiences still help you respond to that unknown unknown. So I'm sorry, I had to get the Kobayashi Maru in there. So Joel, it's all yours. <laughs> you know, there, there's the, the old expression, bleeding training, not in combat. And if Matt and I have a boxing match scheduled, I'm going to pick somebody a lot meaner, bigger, more experienced than Matt to spar with, because I don't want to be surprised. And so I think tabletops, like Anthony's right, you can check off objectives, you can walk in, and I'm not going to make people look stupid. But I know we're going to look stupid and I know people are going to be emotional and I know that people are going to get angry. And that to me is a sign of a real situation's arrival because people do feel that way. Like Anthony, you talking about people needing to take it outside at 4 a.m. But that pressure, if we can figure it out, knowing that that inject was fake and that Joel's not really sick. He was pulled out of the room because he was sick and now he's unavailable. And as that situ now when it really happens, we think, you know, real life was a lot easier than that made up scenario. And that I think is a great goal for tabletops. Yeah. Look, yeah. at the end of the day, I, I agree. When, when 
and, and I think what you have to do when you're in our position and for your former positions, but our positions in this organization, you have to also set the expectation. So we bring, for example, our chairman into our tabletops Good. and he watches and, and people want to act a certain way, for example, because the C I'm like, stop, yeah. don't act a certain way. Understand he's here to judge you. And he knows he knows that you're not going to be successful. He knows I'm putting a situation in place to, to all of your points that is so really out there and impossibly hard. You know, all of the execs are on a plane together, happen to go over the Andes mountains, vanish. Now this thing is happening because we hired one of the world's worst hackers. Boom. You know, yeah. the world blows up. We're doing it on purpose. And if you set those proper expectations, even back to our original stop putting things in front of others in your organization that are not meaningful, if you set up the expectation you're doing this as a muscle, a practice, you can be really successful. When we launched our fishing program here, I was asked, what is the goal? What's the percentage of people who fail goal? And I went zero, zero. And you will not see it in any of my reports because it's irrelevant. That's not what we're trying to do. What I'm trying to show people is there is a way to improve over time. There's a way to make it personal, right? Mm -hmm. I want to help you in your personal life. I have a lot of technical controls in the company. You don't have them on the machine sitting in your house or your, your Google or Gmail. Call Google when you have a problem and see how that goes for you, right? You're one of a billion people on their email platform, right? And you try to make these things personal, and now you can start building a mindset. And I'm going to take it all the way back real quick. Active response, that to me is a mind shift change. It is a huge mind shift change, not only in your organization, the CISO's office, but the entirety of the orchestra that we're a part of, because at some point to Anthony's conversation, there are going to be peer executives that have to suck it up and realize that we've made a decision as an organization. They're in charge for this particular situation. Shut up. Yep. One, one final thing on there. And I think this is, this is one of the first objectives I've always found when, when we start a tabletop journey or a set of them, right, is um, by in the time period that we live in, there are so many things that we just assume are going to be there, right? Like you assume your email is going to be there or you assume, oh, well, we'll just email so-and-so. And then when you say, oh, because I remember specifically running through this exercise um, and we said emails down and they said, well, how, how do we, do we have their phone number? No. Do we, how the hell are we supposed to get a hold of someone? And I was like, that is a really, really great component, right? It's a great um, question. <laughs> and it, it, when you start to take away some of those things that you would assume, like I, and specifically during this, this one, <coughs> Fannie Mae, um, we actually had to bring back fax machines so that we could <laughs> fax end of day settlement components to the Fed. Yeah. Because we realized that if we didn't have that, that, that connectivity pipeline, we had this backup way that we, we could possibly do this. Um, so I think tabletops also give you the assumptions. They give you the understanding like, oh, we actually have this cool, this really crazy dependency. We should not be that dependent on, on this or that, right? Um, and I think that's a really good thing to consider. How many, how many of us have primary 
um, priority contracts with SunGuard. They're going to show up with their data processing trailer. <laughs> Everybody raises their hand. How many trailers do they have? Who? How many of us have uh, priority diesel shipment for our on-prem generators? Everybody raises their hand. How many are actually going to get it? <laughs> so you're right, Anthony. That's yeah. a big deal. Well, and it also, you know, again, this conversation is so interesting. When you go through, when if any of us sat down and wrote a plan, in our brains, because we wrote it, it looks amazing <laughs> until you test it, right? I mean, that's, I, I haven't met a single CISO or incident response executive that handed me a plan and said, this is a pile of junk. It's always, you know, a, a manuscript of excellence. And exactly, they're like, look, I even had it bound. It's three, look at this. It's beautiful. It's laminated. It's the greatest thing ever. I'm like, There's a subpar plan here. Take this. Yeah, yeah, but to your point, okay, who knows this plan by heart? They're like, by heart. I'm like, so if you're on a plane or in an airport or on vacation, where's the plan? Oh, I have it on my OneDrive. Okay, so your computer's been stolen. Right. Uh, right. There's a one-drive outage. Yeah, one or, outage. <laughs> or, or you know what? It it is now encrypted because you were ransomware. Uh, and you're like, oh, all the phone numbers were in there. Uh oh. I have a you know, to it's the practice, it's the practice, and you look at look for those little things in your active response strategy that will make a difference. And I'll throw a couple others out there to talk about where I see people fail. And we've talked about it around the periphery, but it's the communication. It's not just the internal communication, but it's the understanding of the internal. So setting up rules in your organization. So let's say I work for Joel and Joel is my boss and I call him uh, at 8 p.m. on a Saturday night. If you haven't pre-set up what that means for him to get a phone call from me, you've done yourself a disservice. And I've set things up even to the point where I say, if I call you and I leave you a voicemail, it says there's a voicemail. Don't call me back. We're good. All the information needs right there. If I call you and I hang up and I call you and I hang up, drop what you're doing and call me back. You got a problem, right? And you can set these things up so people realize what's going on and they can step out and become involved. And the other thing I will tell you where I see a lot of companies fail in their active response strategies, and I, I, I'm curious about this piece as well, is they want to write public responses in the heat of the moment. They'll get their comms person on who's not used to this, who is freaking out, whether they're an executive or not. And you're like, we have a problem. You need to put a statement on the website or you need to send this notification to our clients. And they're like, I'm going to start from scratch because I've had an hour of sleep and let's do this. How often does that work out for people? No, it's not well at all. Um, <laughs> I, I think one of the best breach response, um, I won't call the company out, um, it was a healthcare um, organization. They actually had their website already preloaded, right? We did the same thing every organization. Once I saw this practice, we did the no. same thing. We had a breach website. We had a breach call center. We had a breach. We, we did everything, and it was, it was a plug-in-the-blank based on the details, so we could literally say, hey, the website, the call center, the customer flow, all of that has been built out through the tabletops, which is, again, that active response. And then when we, we, we had pre-agreed that when an event would happen, we would just fill in the blank of we were compromised by blah, 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 four words. Then we would fill in the next four words or whatever that is. So it was all done by legal, all vetted, right? Um what was Our the name of that book when we were kids that you had to fill in? Mad Libs? 
bad libs. libs. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> and that's what it pretty much was, right? But it was all pre-reviewed by legal, by there outside counsel, by and, and, and we we had those things because to your point, in the heat of the moment, you you don't want to be like, all right, now we gotta we gotta find outside counsel to review this so they, they can approve this, and then we need a third-party comms to look at that, and then you, you, and then you have developers standing up a website in the middle of an event. I'm sure that's gonna be secure code, right? Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. It'll be great, right? Like so I think that that active response has to include that level of, of preparation. And, 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 and being it's, ready for that. It's really good. And it's cheaper to do during the week. And, and Joel, you were going to talk. Uh, that's that's really good. Let me uh, let me uh, butt up against Anthony and compliment from the inside what he's talking about in this in this outside. I think one of the problems, Matthew, you brought up communication, is <clears throat> well, I'm the CISO. It's my job to do the thinking for all of us, and I think that's hubris, and we know where that historically has led. Um, there is a wonderful book called Structured Analytical Technique that I've used with analysts, members of the SOC, directors and managers. Originally, it uh, was a CIA publication. You can find it in PDF on the CIA's website for free. There's an updated version, Combound Lays Flat Workbook from Amazon. But the book came from the fact uh, two analysts, Mongolia analyst and a China analyst in the CIA, came to fistfights over identifying so strongly with the area they were analyzing. And what the author Hoyer realized was the analysts weren't analyzing, the analysts were trying to solve. And if you take that and you drop it into your sock, what motivates folks in the sock tends to be, I'm gonna find out what caused this. What structured analytical technique teaches in a very didactic way is your job isn't to figure out what happened. Your job is to figure out as many hypotheses as possible and eliminate them. And then you go to your boss and you say, okay, I'm down to three things that I can't rule out that likely have caused this. And now we've got something that's a good place to start a clock. How long did it take you to determine the hypotheses, rule them out? Because when Anthony talked about that measurement, he described, and I'm going to use my words, not his, he described, how is my machinery working to get signals in and evaluate them? And then break, how is my internal process working to evaluate, triage, and assess those? So it's almost like efficacy and efficiency. And that measuring the RPMs versus the miles per hour, both of those got to be measured. And one of those is not mean time to anything. So I think that would be that would be the one thing I'd want somebody to put in their pocket in terms of a masterclass. Teach your people how to think so that you can communicate. You know, it's an interesting way to sum this up. And I'm going to sum it up. We are getting short on time. But I think that's the key thing here. If you're. If your thought process is solely on prevention, if your thought process is solely on metrics, you will not be as successful as you could be. I mean, we we have the we talked about luck at the beginning. You could be lucky and get through your whole career and retire and go, ha ha, I didn't have to think and my MTDDs were great. And so what? I was at 200 and some odd days. They, you know, you know, look at me. But if you really wanted to be ahead of the game. If you really want to take an organization and allow them to do their business securely, 
I agree with you, Joel, and I agree with Anthony as well, that you have to start thinking and thinking differently. Our job, again, is not to solve everything. Our job is not to be the smartest person in the room. If you are truly the smartest person in the room, that's not a room I want to be involved in. I'm not, I'm not, that's not me. I want way smarter people around me. If you're not practicing, you're going to fail. And you may be great at getting the response done, but you will fail in public opinion. You will fail in the press, especially if you're in a public company. You may fail with a regulator. Um, you can have a lot of problems and practicing should expose some of those weaknesses where you may have to bring in some outside counsel to help you because outside counsel has no problem telling you if your baby is ugly as compared to someone inside who goes, no, we're, we're gorgeous. We have the greatest things ever. You have to start thinking in that capacity to be successful and to move forward. And I would also agree you know, as an organization, you should have pre-canned responses to as many situations as possible that you could possibly think of. And if you aren't creating pre-canned responses out of your tabletops, to me, failure. That should be one of the key things that comes out of that. Because to the point, you know, your legal may wake up at two in the morning for you, but are they at their best to review something that's going to be public in 10 minutes at two in the morning? The answer is no. And what happens if your chief legal is not available and it's two people down? You're going to put that on them? That's ridiculous. And getting things preset so you don't put up a, we've had a problem website that could get breached because, well, that won't look good. Um, It's going to be be key. And and I think the, the big thing we're trying to get out to everybody watching this is you have to practice and you have to change from a prevent to an active response mindset. And Everything that Joel and Anthony and Mitch have been talking about today are lessons that you should take to heart. And if you're not capable or able to do those yourself, which many of us, especially earlier in my career, incapable of doing it, I needed help. Start making calls. There are companies that do it. And there are people that have been in this industry a long time that would love to help you. There are colleagues just like people on this panel. I think that that was a a, a great kind of wrap up, Matt, maybe if um, Anthony, if you want to have, if you have any parting thoughts you want to share and and Joel, and then we'll wrap this up. Yeah. I I would just say, I love the term, um, you know, that active response strategy, because it's, 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 it doesn't have to be after the fact. There's so much preparation. There's so much, you know, it, it, it's complete, right? Like, and I, I think that's a, a really, a really important piece to look at it. Um, but you can't, you can't just think that it's the tech in the process. Like we touched on the communication, the egos, like all of that stuff, all of that stuff matters because when, 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 when things hit the fan, like that's what really rears his head up. Um, and you have to be ready, able, like notes, they're going to be grumpy. All right. <laughs> know that, right? Um, but, I, but I love that active response strategy uh, language. So this is great. Cool. Joel. I would uh, distill something from Matthew, what you said, Anthony, what you said. And Mitch, you said this too. You've all hit on the same theme. Anthony, uh, Matthew, the way that you said it was, uh, when I'm asked, what's my goal for fishing? 
I tell them zero, but you won't find in the report because what I'm really after is continual improvement. And Anthony, in being super specific and technical, got down to the, we had to bring a fax machine online. Why? Well, we have to be able to process end of day. We have to be able, and what all of you are saying is the office space question. What exactly is it you do here? And if you ask that question first, you're not confused by, should I have an MTDD of 20 seconds or 25? Because if you ask the question, what is it you do here exactly? You can answer how to measure it. Those two must be in alignment. I 100% agree. Folks, you guys are awesome. <laughs> really enjoys. I think just the amount of knowledge and, and experience shared in this past 40 or so minutes has been, you know, a, well worth a lot more than people paid to listen to it. Let me just say yeah. that. <laughs> so thank you. Uh, thank you guys for contributing and sharing just, God, just some amazing things. I, I would, the, the little cherry on top I would add is another theme is it's not a solo sport. It's not a solo performance. It's, it's, and it's not about being the smartest person in the room, right? Either of those two strategies, you failed before you started. So it's about engaging and practicing and working with each other and learning. I just got to say this one last thing. Oh, Anthony, I would never stop. You're right. It's not a solo, but it feels lonely. And I think that every CISO and that that's the one piece of advice, my best piece I've ever given as when you start a new CISO role, just know it's a lonely chair. So reach out to your community and people like this. Um, But, but yeah, it's not solo. Anthony, thank you. Joel, thank you. Matt. Thank you, but especially for creating this masterclass series that we've been going through. And, uh, you know, thank you, buddy, for for co-hosting, too. It's my pleasure. I hope everybody has a great day. And and thank you all so much again, Joel, Anthony. You're the best. Wonderful. Uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Take very care, much. everybody.